Well, how was everybody this morning? Pretty good? Feeling all right? Well, it's exciting to be here. My name is Danny. If you're a first-time guest, if you take up, took up somebody on their invitation to attend our services, we welcome you. And uh, we're in a series right now called Clutter, and what we mean by that is that we kind of teach in four-week series. We, we do these uh, teachings, and then we kind of move on to a different subject. And, and right now, the series that we're in is called Clutter. And, uh, you know, when we say the word clutter, it's, it's, I think we all understand what it means. It's, it's a, a messy place in our house. Maybe it's a closet, and it could be a messy place in our head. You ever have a cluttered mind? <laughs> and so we're talking about this idea of clutter. And what we said last week to get this series started was that in the same way that our closets sometimes get cluttered or a drawer in our house or a garage gets cluttered, and maybe it ends up looking something like this, in the same way that we have areas in our home that get cluttered, so do our lives. We said last week there are reasons that our, our closets get cluttered. We, we get too attached to stuff. We don't throw stuff out. How many of you, that's, that's your thing? You just love, you know, you, old sweaters, shoes. Like, oh, I can't part with those things. So they accumulate, and then your closet gets cluttered. And some of you just are messy, and you don't put stuff back where, where it goes. Anybody? <laughs> that's me. I'm always in a rush, and it's like I got to get somewhere, and so I'll just throw it down, and then I got to grab something, and I got to go. And there's reasons why our, our, our closets end up looking this way. And, and uh, how many of you actually, after last week's talk, you went home and you reorganized a drawer or a closet or something because you felt convicted by the Holy Spirit? Anybody? <laughs> I, I did. I went home and I spent an hour and a half in my garage just by myself. And I just put stuff, you know, it was basically a rearranging uh, Garbage. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no, it, it wasn't totally garbage, but we need to do a yard sale. Anybody else have to do a yard sale? Yeah? All right. So, so in, anyway, there are reasons why our lives end up being cluttered in the same way that there are reasons that our closets get cluttered. And so what we want to do is talk about uh, the, the problems that this causes in our life. You know, the consequences of a cluttered life are a lot more severe than the consequences of a cluttered closet. Do you agree with this? Our lives get overwhelmed. We get stressed out. <clears throat> but most importantly, we fail to fulfill our calling. We fail to make our highest contribution. A cluttered life causes us to, to fail, to miss <clears throat> our greatest contribution. You know, you were created to do some great things. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's handiwork, his work, his, his work of art, his painting, <laughs> his creation, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works that he prepared in advance that we should do them, execute them, live them out, perform them in this world. Your life has a purpose. You're not here to just to suck air and live for 75 years and, and die, okay? That's not the purpose of your life. There are specific good works that God has ordained, prearranged for you to figure out what they are and then to go do them, to be a blessing to this world, to live beyond yourself. And that's the human experience. You're supposed to discover what those good works are and then do those good works. You are a creature with a purpose. You have to believe this in your heart of hearts. You have to have a conviction that God puts you on this planet to do specific good works. And if you don't, you're just going to kind of wander through life and take up space and, and waste time. Okay. So, the, so in this series, what we said is that if your life is all cluttered up, 
and you're going a hundred different directions, you're not going to find out what those good works are, let alone execute on them. Your life's going to look like a graphic that we showed a couple weeks ago. You're going to be going in a hundred different directions, if you, if you remember last week, and just being pulled in a hundred different directions, making very little progress. And in this series, we want to go from our lives looking like this, our energy going a hundred different directions, to having one focus or two focuses. And, and we want to narrow our lives so that we can have a significant impact with our lives. Recently, uh, this last week, I picked up a book called The Best Yes by Lisa Turkers. Fantastic little book. And she says this right in chapter one. I love this. She says, the acid of overactivity, okay? I love that phrase. The acid of overactivity eats holes in our souls. And from those holes leaks the cry of the unfulfilled calling that never quite happened. We said yes to so much that we missed what I call our best yes assignments. The book is called Your Best Yes or The Best Yes, meaning that God has specific things, specific assignments for you to do. And if you just say yes to everything that comes to your way in your path, you're going to be pulled in a hundred different directions. Your life is going to be cluttered and you're going to miss your best yes assignments. We want to try to help you avoid that. We want you to clarify your life, focus your life in so you can do the things that God has called you to do. A cluttered life equals an unfulfilled calling. And we just, we just don't want to have, I don't want that for my life and I don't want that for your life. I want you to live out and execute and perform those good works that God has prepared for you. And so last week we talked about how, the first reason that our lives become cluttered and that's this belief that we can do it all. We can have it all and we can do it all. And I challenge you two ways to kind of fix that and that's to accept limits. If you missed last week's talk, you can go back and watch this on the podcast to accept limitations and also accept the reality of trade-offs. And so hopefully you did that. And now if you can notice here down below, our closet got a little bit more organized, right? So hopefully through this series, you know, your life gets a little bit more organized and focused. Did you, did you notice that? It was clever, right? Maybe you didn't see it. Okay, whatever, whatever. Some of you, you saw it because you pay attention to details. So, but so today what I want to do is talk about another reason why our lives get cluttered, and that's this right here. Our lives get cluttered because we fear disappointing people. Yep, we're going to go there today, okay? We're going to go there. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. But I promise you, my heart's desire and God's heart's desire is to help you through this. We fear disappointing people. You know, people ask us to do a lot of stuff, don't they? I mean, I'm talking about spouses, children's, children's friend, children, friends, co-workers, bosses, employers, companies. They ask you to do things all the time, don't they, right? And, and if you are afraid of disappointing people, you end up saying what? You end up saying... Yes. See, you know, you know the drill, right? Somebody asks you to do something and it's very because you, you want them to think favorably of you. You don't want them to have negative thoughts of you. You, you end up, you know, saying, yes, here's, here's, how it, here's how it rolls out. Somebody makes a request and, and you know inside, it's just, it's not possible. You shouldn't do it. Your brain tells you no. Your schedule tells you no. Your reality tells you no. But something inside of you causes your lips to betray what you know is right. And you say, Okay, I'll be there. What is that thing? You know what it is? It's fear. It's fear of disappointing that person. You do that long enough, week after week, month after month, year after year, not only do you fail to, to, to fulfill your calling or your best yes assignments or the good works that God has planned for you to do, but you also end up becoming an unpleasant person. Because right? you're mad. And who are you mad at? You're mad at people because they asked you to do a bunch of stuff, <laughs> right? And now you resent them. It's like, 
You ever have this thought, people ask you to do stuff, and you're like, and you said yes, and you're like, and then you end up doing it or going or saying yes, and so now you're at this thing or you're at this wedding or something like that, and you're like mad at the person? It's like, I can't believe they asked me to do this. Like, don't they know that I'm a very busy person? Like, how could they? How, how rude of them to ask this of me, right? Now we end up resenting the person for doing that. You ever been there, or am I the only person? I'm at, a, I'm at an event or something, and I'm thinking, how did I get here? This is this person's fault. They asked me to come to this thing. You know, I could be doing this. I could be doing the thing that I'm called to do, and here I am at this thing, right? It's not their fault. It's not their fault. You know whose fault it is? Mine. Because I didn't have enough courage. I'm too much of a coward. Can I say that? Can I use that word? I'm too scared to say no. I'm too scared of what they might think or what they might say. Their opinion about me is very important, so I end up saying yes when I know I should say no. Ever been there in your life? Maybe that's why uh, the musician Ed Sheeran said, said this. He said, you know, I can't tell you the, 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 the path to success, but I can tell you for sure the key to failure is to pl- try to please everyone. Now, I, that quote's been attributed to a few different people, but... Maybe, maybe the, the key to failure is, to try, uh, is trying to please it. Maybe the reason trying to please everyone is, is, is the path to failure because it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible to do it. And you cannot please everyone, right? And so how do we fix this? How do we solve this? How do we do overcome this? And if we continue to say yes to every single request that comes in, our lives are going to end up looking cluttered. Well, I, I, I think the answer is simple, but it, it, it's not easy. And so let me, let me just go down this path here. If we're going to fix this, declutter our lives by learning, we're going to have to learn to disappoint some people. You are going to have to learn to disappoint people. Not everybody, but, but some people. In the, in the book, uh, Essentialism, by Greg McEwen, which is a great, great read, he, he says this. He says, essentialists, he calls these people essentialists. He says, they accept that they cannot be popular with everyone all the time. I love that. They just accept that reality that you cannot please everyone all the time because he knows that an essentialist is focusing on a few things in their life in order to have the greatest impact. And so therefore, they're saying no often to, to people. Now, if you don't want to disappoint people, listen, this is, you got to settle for this. This, this, this is going to be your life right here. If you're like, I just can't do it. I cannot say no. I, I cannot handle. Like, you, you don't have the ability to actually tell your child, a coworker, a spouse, a friend. You, you just can't, you can't even say the word no. <laughs> so if, if that's where you're at because you don't want to, dis- this, is, this is the life you're going to have to settle for. But if you're interested, if you're open, if you're willing I'm gonna, you're going to actually enjoy what I have to say here, and, and I'm going to share with you what God has revealed to me thus far on my journey uh, in, this, in this particular area. If you are willing to disappoint people, these, there's two things we need to do. Number one, you have to begin to care more about what God thinks than what people think. This is huge. This is massive, this idea. You have to begin to care more about God's opinion than man's opinion or a person's opinion in your life. Does that make sense? There's a great example of this in the book of Acts chapter 5 where um, Peter and, and the apostles are out doing ministry. Jesus has already ascended back to heaven and, and he's launched out his apostles and, and they're doing all these miracles and 
people are getting healed and they're, it's incredible. And the, the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they find out that, Jesus, that, that this, all this great stuff is going on. So they go arrest Peter and the apostles and they put him in jail. Well, that night in Acts chapter 5, you can read the whole story yourself later. Acts chapter 5, an angel shows up and opens up the gates and frees Peter and the apostles out. They, they, they basically walk out of the prison. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 20, the angel has a message for Peter. Listen to this. Go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people the words of this life, meaning they can have forgiveness of their sins, eternal life in Jesus Christ. I want you to go right to the temple. Here's the purpose. I'm, I freed you. I set you. I, I opened up the gates so that you can do these specific good works that, that God has ordained or arranged beforehand that you should walk in them. I want you to go and speak in the temple. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if God made the good works that he had planned for your life that clear? Like he sent an angel to your house. That'd be sweet. Anybody else? Now, it's not always that clear, but, you know, but it's that clear for Peter. So anyway, so they go, so Peter obeys and he goes into the temple. Well, long story short, the Sadducees, Pharisees, the same cronies, people that put Jesus, you know, before Pilate and got him crucified, they find out, they go and arrest Peter and the apostles. They do it you know, cordially, because all the people were excited about Peter and the apostles, but they bring him before the court, and, and, when, and when Peter and the apostles get before the court, this is what the, the religious leaders said, we strictly charge you not to teach in the name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, you got to remember who's saying this. This is the same crew that got Jesus killed now, the Roman government, Pilate, they're the one that actually performed the execution, but it was the religious, the Jewish leaders that got Jesus to that point. This is the same group. These, are the, these guys have the power to put Peter and the apostles to death. And they're saying, we told you not to do this, and here you are again teaching and filling this whole town with you know, this, all these teachings of Jesus, right? And this is what they were afraid of. Remember, they, they had a Roman guard put out in front, of the, uh, uh, in front of the grave so that the body wouldn't be stolen, so that people wouldn't start saying that Jesus rose from the dead, and then things would be worse than you know, before. This is what, this was their greatest fear come true, right? Now, the next statement is fascinating. Listen to what Peter says. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey, say it with me, God rather than men. Peter's like, look, we under, I understand. You guys have all the power. But you, you have to understand that I care more about obeying the angel of the Lord, which, which God spoke those words through the angel. I care more about disobeying his orders than disobeying your orders. See, when I care, here, here's, here's the principle. When you and I begin to care more about what God thinks, we are freed up to say no to what men say or what a boss says or what a friend says or what a spouse says or what a neighbor says. See that? Peter doesn't stop there. He, he continues. Listen to what the next, next statement, verse 30. He says to, the, again, this crew that put Jesus to death. The God of our fathers raised Jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Now, if I were in the crowd that day, if I was Peter's friend, I'd have been like, Peter, shut up. Shut up. Don't say anything else. You're picking a fight with the wrong crew. These are the guys that killed Jesus. They, they have all the cards. They're, like the, they're going to win this fight. Shh. 
Where did he get this courage from? Where did he get this boldness from? Listen, he cared more about pleasing God than he did about pleasing people. He cared more about the consequences of disobeying God than the consequences of disobeying the religious leaders of the day. And when you fear God that much, you have total freedom to disappoint people. You with me? You getting this? In Proverbs 29, the Bible tells us that the fear of man, of man or uh, people, whoever the people are in your life, will prove to be a trap, a snare. Because you'll have to say yes to them because you care too much about what they say. They will become the master and the Lord and the person in charge of your life because you need them to think favorably of you. On the opposite side of that, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I can begin to make great decisions when I am concerned primarily about what God thinks about a certain decision in my life. See, as Christ followers, we are to live for the will of God. Our prayer is to be very simple. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of my life is to perform the good works that you've prepared in advance for me to do. I want your will done on this earth. I care more about your opinion than man's opinion. And so when a request comes our way and people say, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you come? Can you do? Can you, can you appear? Can you, can you help? Can you, you, your filter is, God, what do you think? What's your thoughts on this? Is this part of the plan that you have? Is this your will for my life? And if the answer is yes, and if it fits in, with what God wants you to do, you are free to say yes. And if it's not, you can say, I'm sorry, I cannot come. I cannot do that. Does that make sense? The fear of man versus the fear of God. That's number one. We have to care more about what God thinks than what men thinks. But we can't stop there. Number two, we have to prioritize our life. You must prioritize your life. And if you don't, and if you don't, someone else will. Anybody live long enough to, 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 to feel this, the, the weight of this? You know what's interesting about this word priority? McEwen talks about this in his book. He talks about this word. It originated in the 1400s, and the word priority was originally singular, and for 500 years it was singular. It meant first thing, prior thing. And in somewhere around the 1900s, it became a plural word. And so now we have priorities, which is kind of ironic because how do you have multiple first things? You ever think about that? What we do, companies have priorities. Churches have priorities, right? Multiple first things, kind of odd. Anyway, that's where we're at today. So we're going to roll with the word that we have today. <laughs> priorities. What I'm basically saying is if you don't exercise your freedom to choose the most important things in your life, somebody else, a boss, a friend, a spouse, let's be honest, if you have children... <laughs> They're going to make known their priorities, and then their priorities will become your priorities. Does anybody live that kind of life? Is anybody a taxi driver for your children? Right? It's like, if you don't determine what's most important in your life, someone else is going to make some suggestions to you. Very clear. Hey, if you're not doing something, I have something for you to do. Could you help me do this and this and this and this? Right? 
That's what happens when you don't set your priorities. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said it this way. He said, a burning yes makes it possible to say no to other things. A burning yes, a top priority, a thing that you said is most important in your life. And if you don't have any of those, somebody else is going to come along and say, well, since you're not busy, <laughs> can you help me with my thing? And what are you going to say? Well, my schedule's clear, so I guess so. <laughs> and you end up saying yes and yes and yes and yes and yes and yes and yes. And here's your life right here. A cluttered life. A burning yes allows you to say no to other. Now, I know there are exceptions to this. Somebody gets sick and has, has to go to the hospital or somebody dies. and there's, I know there are always exceptions to this and you have to be flexible. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you be inflexible. But I'm saying for 80% of your day, you ought to be focused on a burning yes of some sort in your life. This is the Apostle Paul's life. If there ever were an example other than Jesus of a focused life, it would be the Apostle Paul. Come to the end of his life, he wants to go to Jerusalem to preach, and his friends are like, no, don't go to Jerusalem. If you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get in trouble. People are going to arrest you. In fact, a prophet named Agabus comes in Acts chapter 21. You can read the whole story when you get home. Acts 21, a prophet comes, takes Paul's belt right off of his waist, takes it, wraps it around his hands, his hands and his feet, and he says, this is what's going to happen to the man who goes to Jerusalem to to try to preach the gospel. And so when, when the Agabus does that, all of Paul's friends are like, no, and they start crying. Listen what Paul says in response to his friends, Acts 21. But he said to them, why all this crying and weeping? You are breaking my heart. I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. You guys don't understand. I'm all in. They could kill me and it'd be, it'd be profitable because I'd, I'd get to see Jesus, my Savior. It doesn't matter what they do to my life. I don't count my life valuable. Uh, and my, the only purpose of my life is to preach the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And so when his friends heard Paul's response, listen to what they write. When it was clear that they couldn't persuade him, they couldn't talk him out of going to Jerusalem. They said to themselves, they gave up and they said to themselves, the Lord's will be done. Can I ask you a, a difficult question today? And I know this talk is, is not fun. I know I'm messing with you and some of you in your minds, you're justifying and rationalizing and you don't understand my life. <laughs> How do I know that? Because I do the same thing when I'm listening to a preacher. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Can I ask you a very disturbing question? Do you have anything in your life that you couldn't be persuaded out of? Anything? Or can you be talked out of anything? Everything in your schedule. If someone had something more important going on, could you be talked out of it? Do you have anything in your life that you just, you could not be talked out of? Do you have a burning yes inside that, that if someone said, I got something more important, you say, no, I can't come off this wall like Nehemiah said, right? I'm doing a great work, and you might have some good options, but, but I have a burning yes inside of me, and I cannot stop. Do you have anything like that in your life? The good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. I hope, I hope if you don't, I hope that you will find that. See, if someone came to me today and said, you have to stop telling people about Jesus, you have to quit it. You have to shut up about it. You don't understand. I cannot stop doing that. 
You're going to have to arrest me, take me away. I, 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 I have to do That's the calling on my life. Jesus Christ is the source of life. He's the source of joy. He's the source of abundant life. He's the source of eternal life. And I know that in my heart. So if someone came to me and said, you got to stop. And they tried to talk me out of it. I can't help you. Have to do it. Have to do it. Now, you have to do what you have to do. And isn't that what Peter basically said to the, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees? You guys, you, you have to, if you need to arrest me, if you need to basically take me down the path that you took Jesus and bring me before the Roman government to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, put on the cross, crucified, then, then that's what you need to do. But as for me, I have to obey God rather than man. Do you have something in your life like that? If you don't, if you don't, let me help you find some burning yeses. How do you set your priorities? And actually, I have a little thing in your notes there to help you do this. I didn't come up with this. I ripped this off some other people that are very, very <laughs> smarter than, and wiser and much more experienced than I am, but I've applied it to my life, and it's helped me tremendously. How do you come up with your priorities? How do you set your priorities so that someone else doesn't? Three things. Letter A in your notes there. You, first of all, you have to identify your roles. What are you? Who are you? What are the things, what are the roles that you have in your life? And you list them out. You know, I would list them in order of importance. You're a Christ follower. You're a person of faith. Now, if you're not a Christ follower yet, hopefully one day that will be the first thing on your list. You know, that's our hope and prayer for you is to know Christ. You'd be a Christ follower. That's an, so, you're, so that's number one. Number two, you could be, if you're not married, this wouldn't be the, your second one, but if you're married, it's spouse, husband, wife. And then if you have children, you know, you're a father or you're a mother, right? And you put these in order of importance. Then you're an employee, right? So or you put your job there. Or maybe it's a son or a daughter in that fourth slot. And you put down all of your roles in life, all of the things that you do. You know, you're, you're, uh, you're a U.S. citizen. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a friend, right? You're an employee. All those things, you write those things down. And you get really clear on all of your roles in life. And then, step, and then letter B, you identify what the most important contribution is in each one of those roles. This is, this is really where the work comes in. You say, what, God, what do you want me to do? What's the most important thing you want me to focus on as a Christ follower? And I would suggest you do this in, in 90-day increments. And the reason I would suggest 90 days is because it's a, it's a nice, it's a long enough period to actually see some results. It's a quarter of the year. You could break your life down into quarters. I would recommend that as well. I'm doing that with my life now. I'm living in quarterly increments. And you say, okay, in the next 90 days, God, as a Christ follower, what's the most important contribution? What's the, mo what's the area of focus that you want me to, to, to look at for the next 90 days? And, and then you see what God says. You might have an issue with anger. You might have a problem with anger. And so God might say to you, okay, for the next 90 days, we're going to finally take care of anger in your life. And so you make that the focus as a Christ follower, what you're going to try to fix. And so you might get a counselor, you might read some books, you might get some podcasts, you might get whatever, some Bible verses on anger, you might talk to somebody about it. And you, and you focus in in the next 90 days under that role on overcoming anger. Or maybe, or maybe it's time for some of you to become a small group leader. You've been a Christ follower, you've been feeding and receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving for years, and now it's time for you to give back. So for the next 90 days, you're going you're gonna to look into what it looks like to become a small group leader, to disciple other people other people inside the church and you make that your focus I don't know I don't know what it is you have to ask God right and then you go to your second role 
Maybe it's a husband. And you say, okay, for the next 90 days, what do I need to focus on? Or, or maybe it's a wife, and, and maybe and you finally realize, okay, you know, every time I talk to my spouse, it ends up in an argument. <laughs> Anybody there? Honest enough? And so you know that you need to work on communicating better with your spouse. And so for the next 90 days, you're going to get some books. You're going to get some counseling. You're going to figure out how to talk to your spouse without causing a fight. And, for, and you are going to, you're going to get that lit. See how that works? And you, are, you start making progress in your marriage because you fix the communication problem. And you do that in 90-day increments. And then you go down your next role and you say, okay, as a, as a parent, what's the next, what do I need to focus on? And maybe you have a kid whose reading scores are too low, Right? And you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the reading scores up. We're going to get the teacher involved. We're going to get a tutor. We're going to get an online reading program. We're going to do 20 minutes every night of reading. We're going to blow this out. We're going to take the iPads away and the eye eye junk away. And we're just going to read, 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 read until the scores go up. And 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 as a parent, you get focused on helping your child. See, you don't make progress unless you do this. You identify the role, and then you identify your highest contribution in that role. Or maybe it's your, your employee. You go down to your employee. Now, you're, okay, what's your highest contribution at work? What can you do? Well, sometimes you need to ask your, your manager or your boss. Your boss. Your boss. There's my, every now and then it slips out. <laughs> wow. Your boss. And you say, okay, here's what I want to improve as an employee. What can, what's one thing I can do in the next 90 days that would really dramatically improve my performance on the job? And maybe you already know what it is. And so you get that, you write, you get it, and you focus on it for 90 days. And that becomes your key area, your, your greatest contribution. 90-day increments. You, you, I, you got your roles. You got your goals within your roles. Now, step number three is where the magic happens. Step number three is where the magic happens. If you don't do C, letter C, we're in trouble. Letter C is this right here. Organize your day or plan your day around those priorities. Organize each day around each contribution, each priority. You've, so number, letter B, you're identifying where, what the most important contribution is. And letter C, you're actually planning it into your day. Now, unless you do letter C, what you have is a list of wishes and hopes, right? Isn't that true? Yes or no? You said, man, I'd like to help my kid improve his reading score. That'd be nice. I sure would like to communicate better with my spouse. That, that'd be awesome. I sure would like to improve my performance at work or, you know, and make a better con- You have a list of wishes and hopes unless you do letter C. Letter C is where the magic happens. That's where you take your planner out, and I would strongly recommend that you have some sort of planning device. Whether it's on your phone or whether it's a written planner, I prefer to write things down. It helps me to think better and absorb things. And so I use what's called a passion planner. This was actually a gift to me, and I really like it. I recommend it. And so what I'll do on a Sunday night, most Sunday nights with my wife, is I'll get out and I'll look over my entire week. And what I love about the Passion Planner is it puts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday right in front of you. And so what I'll do is I'll take all of my, my areas of contribution And most of my week revolves around giving this talk, so you'll see a lot of time blocks uh, set up to to prep for for this event right here. And I'll write down all of the things, places I need to be, volleyball games we need to go to, games, practices, you know, my time with God, time with staff, time old. And I will literally write down every single area of contribution. On my, on my list. And then I'll take it a step further, and this is, this is just me, it doesn't have to be you, I will color code it. <laughs> this, is just, this is just a, uh, and so the yellow is my sermon prep, and the pink is my family time, and the red is my time with Jesus, 
and the blue is the time where I'm working my physical body out. And I will write it all down every single week. I know that that's maybe over the top, but these are my priorities. And then as I, leave, as I do my day, I leave that out and I'm looking at it and I can see whether or not I'm functioning in the area that I said is the most important area for me to make my highest contribution. See, this, this doesn't lie. I'm either doing this or I'm not doing this. Does that make sense? And unless you write it down, unless you plan your day, you have a, you have a bunch of hopes and dreams and wishes. John Maxwell said it this way. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of success is found in your daily routine. I read that quote years ago out of one of his leadership books. He's not talking about success in terms of money or stuff or fame or fortune. He's not talking about, he's talking about success in in the sense that you are making your highest contribution. How do you live a life where you maximize your potential? That's what he's talking about. The secret is found in your daily routine. Are you setting apart time to work on the things that you said is most important? Helping your child improve their reading score. Communicating better with your spouse. Becoming a better employee at work. Improving your relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and your calendar doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. Tell, it always, here's the thing. It always tells the truth. So on a Sunday night, we'll, I'll look back at my week and say, how did I do? Did I execute in the areas that I said were most important? Does that make sense? Listen, if you want to declutter your life, well, if you, let me say it this way in your notes. If you want to make your highest contribution, you must declutter your life. Bottom line. And how do we do that? We have to learn how to disappoint people. That's part of it. You know, it's just, it's just the way it goes. And the way we disappoint people or learn to disappoint people, again, not everybody, is we learn to care more about what God thinks than what people think. And we set our priorities every single day and we live them out. Otherwise, someone else will set our priorities for us. Now, as we close out today, we're talking about priorities. Priority meaning what's the most important thing. The most important thing in life, in life, period. It's not having a great marriage, although I think that's important. It's not retiring with, you know, a nice 401k, although that's important. It's not making sure that everybody's healthy and whole, although that's important. You know what the most important thing in life is? It's for you to know Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. That's the most important thing because it's the one thing that impacts all of eternity. Jesus said at one time very clearly, John chapter 17, he said, this is the way to have eternal life. Abundant life, life with God forever, to know you. He's talking to his heavenly father. To know God, the heavenly father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you have sent. In order to have eternal life, you must know God. Not know about him, the way we know about a famous celebrity, but know him personally as your Lord and Savior. So how do I do that? Well, you have to put your faith in him. You have to put your trust in him. You have to put your confidence that he died on the cross for you, that you could have your sins washed away, that you can be forgiven and have a relationship with him. You say, how do I do that? Well, you, you, you pray. And prayer is really talking to God with faith. That's what it is. You say, well, I've never, I've never really prayed before. I don't know how to pray. That's, here's what I'll do. I'll pray for you. Not 
literally, but I'll pray the words and you can take my words and you can pray them to God yourself. Backed by faith. And here's what will happen. You will become a child of God as you put your confidence and trust in Jesus to wash away all your sin and make you his child. If you feel a tug on your heart right now to do that, if you feel moved to step into a relationship with Christ and to know him personally, I'll ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. In this very holy moment, no one getting up or moving around, just simply reach out to Jesus and ask him to come into your life and be your savior. Say this to him. Dear Jesus, I need you. I need to be forgiven of my sin. And right now, I put my trust in you. I put my confidence in you. That you died for me on the cross. And you came back to life three days later to wash away all my sin, to give me forgiveness, to show me grace and mercy. I place my faith in you today and I declare you my Savior. I turn from my sin, a life of selfishness, living only for myself toward a life lived for you. Help me from this day forward to honor you with my life, my words, my actions, my behavior. May it reflect who you are. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, our church would love to put a Bible in your hands, a one-year New Testament. And the reason we love to do this as a gift from us to you, totally free of charge, in the back of the auditorium, there's tables to my right and to my left. The reason we do this is because we believe with all of our heart, it's a conviction that we have that as you read the words of scripture, God speaks to your heart. He begins to instruct you, show you what's going on in your heart, show you what's, what his heart is like. It begins to reveal his will to you. The primary way that God speaks to us is through the word of God. And so we wanna put one of, these hand, one of these in your hands today as a gift to us on your way out. If you prayed to receive Christ last week and you didn't grab one, please feel free to grab one or the week before. Um, but if you're already a Christ follower and you have been for a year or so, uh, you can buy one of these in the bookstore. Uh, this is only for those who prayed to receive Christ uh, today or recently. Can we give the Lord a hand for what he's done today? Hey guys, real quick, just moment of authenticity. I love to do this. This is the calling on my life. So I focus my life in, in a very significant way to be the best husband and father I can be, but also to be the best pastor. And I know that's gonna disappoint you many times because I'm gonna say no. Some of you are gonna invite me to your house and I'm gonna say no. Some of you are gonna invite, you're gonna ask for counseling and I'm gonna say no, because there's like 5,000 people now. And so I'm just gonna say, um, that's what I have to do. In order to be the best pastor that I can be for you, I have, to, I have to disappoint you, hopefully at a pace that you can handle. Please know it comes from a heart of love so that I can be the best possible pastor that I can be. It is an absolute joy to serve you this way. 
And I just look forward to, to what God is going to do in the future, how many campuses he's going to do, how many people we're going to be able to reach. I love you so much. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to, with your grace, with your strength, disappoint people. I know that's a strange prayer, Father, but if we say yes all the time to everyone, we will have a cluttered life and we'll miss our calling. So God, help us to care more about your opinion than man's. Help us to prioritize our life and focus in on the, on the contribution that you want us to make in each key role of our life. Ultimately, so we can do the very things you've called us to do. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about creating space to be able to do what we talked about today. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.